You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Hello, my name is Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to Season 3 of the Travel Tales with Fergal podcast. The podcast is a very simple premise where I chat to a special guest every Tuesday where I ask for five trips or places that most influenced or impressed them. My guests come from all walks of life with one thing in common. They all have great travel stories. And this podcast is now listened to in over 80 countries worldwide. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is Sharon Jordan, MD of the Irish Travel Trade Network. ITTN specialises in delivering topical travel news to both consumers and the trade in Ireland. Sharon has worked for over 30 years in the international travel industry. So today we get an expert's view on the travel trends for 2022-2023 and an insight into how the travel industry is going to recover post-pandemic. Hello, Sharon. You're very welcome to the podcast. You are the MD of Irish Travel Trade Network, ITTN, which is known well to people. So it's that's travel news and more for consumers and for the industry. But you bought it during the middle of the pandemic. I did. I did. Mad. <laughs> Absolutely insane, some people might say. But, you know, with every, with every bad time, there's always opportunity. So uh, I'm holding on to that yeah. with a firm grasp and the hope that the opportunity does arise sometime in the near future. But, yeah, bought it in. Um, I was actually on maternity leave with my, my son during lockdown one. And uh, sorry, I hadn't even had him yet when the conversation started happening about purchasing the, the, the company. And uh, lockdown one came out of nowhere. And then we spent a couple of months negotiating. And then for an out, lo and behold, it's December 2020. And uh, the deal was signed and done. So I was very fortunate to purchase it off um, a man called Michael Flood, which a lot of uh, your listeners and viewers would be very au okay with, a man who's been in the industry a very, very long time. Um, and yeah, we were in Herbert Park and we signed on the dotted line by doing this <laughs> in lockdown. And uh, yeah, we had to get a passerby to witness the contract because obviously, you know, it was locked in and nobody was working, nobody was doing anything. So it was an interesting time and, a, 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 a you know, surreal really because of the way it happened. But here we are almost 10 months, well, 10 months on and um, the company is starting to come out of the the. And you went from one to eight and I don't know how many you have now, but have you, have you yeah. more than eight now? How many employees have you? We have nine on the team now, yeah. So it was just me at the start, obviously. And then I was very, very lucky to get um, Fionn Davenport on board um, as editor-in-chief. And he takes care of kind of the whole plans and strategy for the the sites and the news and all the stories that are going on. And then I kind of built out that way. I got someone to help with social media. Um, so I got Ali on board. And then I got Joan Scales, um, former Irish Times um, journalist on board to help with the new product that I launched in the middle of all of this, which was Travel to Ireland, um, which I decided to do on a whim uh, one day because nobody could leave the country. And I was like, here I am all day, every day, talking about things that we can't do. So why don't we start talking about things that we can do? So um, Travel to Ireland was born out of ITTN and 
um, what can I say about travel to Ireland only she was kind of the thing that gave us kept us sane during, <laughs> during the months we couldn't travel um, and she's now grown legs and she's um, a really really beautiful product if you go out to see she's really consumer direct and I mean it's just she's a really fun product about stuff going on in Ireland that I never even knew about so very exactly. excited with that product like I'm interested to hear what you think about how things are now say for say tour operators or people who are in the tour industry in Ireland in a tough 18 months but is it coming out of it now or how do they feel um it's interesting like i've been at a couple of conferences abroad actually in the last few weeks but a lot of the people speaking at those conferences were from america and they were saying you know this pent-up demand to get to ireland is real and it's like it's tangible you can almost taste it um so i would imagine 2020 Two is going to be a nice start to the season and we're going to see some real business back but I mean it's going to take a while it's going to take a year or two I mean Fall to Ireland, Tourism Ireland all these bodies that we have are doing incredible work across the world at the moment with the you know work-life balance really came into play and I mean like yourself I've been away um, I've been away to four countries in the last um, six weeks five weeks and it's just been magical to get away as much as I love my own country and I, I really do it's just been magical to get on that plane and get abroad but god there's nothing like that Fergal you've been away I know you're away with one of my colleagues yeah um the feeling of when that plane opens and the exactly. heat hits your face and that just the joy of travel even being in even being in Dublin airport you know, it's just that holiday mode again, just getting that feeling. And and I, when I was abroad, I don't know what you thought, but I found very safe and um, there was no issues about COVID or no hesitancies or anything like that. It felt fine, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they're way ahead of us, in particularly in Europe. Obviously, they're way ahead of us. Um, I haven't been stateside yet, but Fionn, who works with me in the team, he was over at Powwow in Vegas and he felt the same way. Um, I just think they're streets ahead of us in terms of uh opening perhaps is the way to put it so they're 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 more used to like you know like everything is probably a little bit more easy flowing because they've been open for a little bit longer so they've just naturally become very used to it whereas we're still that little bit behind and we're still that little bit more kind of nervous and cautious and I suppose like I mean every element of it I felt very safe um I mean even when I was in Portugal there last weekend um Portugal have done away with the restrictions um wearing masks indoors you don't have to do any of that anymore and it's amazing how as human beings we become quite you know adaptable because within three days like we arrived as a group of Irish almost 90 of us and we were all masked up and sanitized and everything's going on and then they told us on the coach to done away with the restrictions and slowly but surely we started to you know take the masks off and and you know of course you're going to still sanitize and social distance you have to do that that's that's the future but it was actually funny three days later when we arrived at Lisbon airport they were like stop put your masks on you know (laughs) we got so used to it like as human beings just like that we're back to normal you know I saw in an article about you you had a line that I hadn't seen revenge tourism it was talking about trends in in 2022 what is that yeah well it was a big buzzword during the lockdown everyone was like i just get me out of here i'm gonna go everywhere i'm gonna just like flood the world with revenge tourism and i can see a few people doing it actually Um, i'm seeing it more and more you know as we operate our social media now we're not seeing the coast of ireland we're starting to see the maldives and mauritius we're starting to see Mm. um, parts of europe um but yeah no revenge tourism never took off to be honest really the reality of it is is people just want to see their friends and family um, and they just want to reconnect with the world that they used to have, which was just the freedom of hop, skip and jumping over to Spain or Portugal or down to France. Um, like, 
I mean, it was all very well and good. I mean, I don't know many times like yourself probably stood at the window looking out going, <laughs> get exactly. me out of here. And then, you know, I, I was like, why didn't I take that trip to India? Why didn't I take that trip exactly. to Thailand? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Um, but then when the reality came, I just wanted to go see my mum and dad and I just wanted to see friends. So, yeah, I think it's. I know. And that brings us actually to your first place um, nicely. Lanzarote, you mentioned your parents. Yeah. So they live there. Yeah, they live there. Yeah, um, they live out in a place called Playa Blanca in Lanzarote. So they lived there for about 12, 13 years. They retired out there and um, very tough lockdown out there, actually. Uh, they were only allowed to leave their house for 45 minutes a day. And it was only to walk the dog or to go for groceries or, you know, to the shops. Like at least we could walk within a 2K for exercise and all that stuff. They didn't have that at all. So, so um, yeah, it was very, very tough on them. And particularly they had a grandson during lockdown as well. They didn't get to meet. So obviously we're different countries and everything. So, but, so I was very fortunate to get over to them two or three weeks ago for 10 days. So it was lovely. And was, yeah. that the, was that the first time that they saw their grandson? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. yeah. And what age is he? Uh, Lanzarote, yeah. Spiritual home in terms of the fact it's like, you know, it's like a second home. You go over, my mum and dad have RT and the TV and the, <laughs> you've got the beach down the road, but they've still got all the home comforts of Ireland um, set up over there. So yeah, I love going over when I can. Yeah. It's so popular with Irish. Why do you think it's so popular? What is it? Um, I don't know. To be honest, I think it's because it's winter sun. You know, yeah. it's the only place you can really go outside of Morocco or Dubai that you can get winter sun. Um, and the Canary Islands in general are hugely popular for Europeans, Scandinavians, Germans, English and, and ourselves. But Lanzarote tends to be the Ireland, the Irish island. Um, uh, the English tend to go Tenerife, um, a little bit cranky there, but Lanzarote... I mean, it's pure Ireland, you know, it's Ireland on a stick, but it's just, you know, in the last few years, again, um, really upgraded itself, the same as most of the Canary Islands actually have as well. We've got more upmarket, more four or five star. Um, I think it's just, you know, it's all about airlift, Fergal, to be honest, as well. I mean, everybody goes there, Erlingus, Ryanair, they're all there. So you're going to go somewhere in the winter, get some sun, that's where you're going to head. So your next one on the list then is cruise holidays. And I presume you you said you've been 30 years in the business. So you were involved working on that side of the business, weren't you? So I've been in um, the cruise, probably I've been in both sides of the cruise. I've been in ocean cruising and river cruising. So I've got to see the two different sides of it. So I've got to see the luxury ocean liners. I've got to see big ships, small ships, ships all around the world. But for me, I mean, it's just the best way to travel. It really is. I mean, you get to see destination after destination after destination without having to unpack. All the work's done for you. All the entertainment is done for you. The food is exceptional. I mean, there's just, it's a win-win. I mean, cruising is just incredible. But I particularly love river cruising, actually, because we kind of overlook a lot of Germany and Austria as Irish travellers. And when you actually sail down those rivers, they're just absolutely beautiful. And Portugal as well as beautiful region. And there's gorgeous in China, Asia. There's lots of different rivers that you can go on that are just beautiful. But have you done cruises all over the world? Not all over the world. I've probably done about thirty ocean cruises and probably about fifteen to twenty river cruises. So I've done my fair share, um, but I haven't done them all over the world. I haven't done Australia, New Zealand. That's high on the bucket list. Um, another one on the bucket list is Alaska. Definitely want to do that one. Um, and I'd love to see the Northern Lights as well. That's a, another big, huge one for me. But uh, I tend to be one of those people that, because uh, I travel so much, when I do travel, I like it to be in Europe. So I, I kind of hit the five hour or less 
So where would you, if you had to pick one then, what one jumps, first one that comes into your head? Well, one I haven't done in Alaska is the one I really want to do, but the Caribbean, <laughs> putting that out there in case there's any cruise lines watching that I would yeah, yeah. really like to go to Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> Caribbean's beautiful, Caribbean, but I love the Mediterranean because the history at all the stops as well. I love to get off and see the little towns and see what's going on, but oh God, it's just scores the Baltics as well. It's beautiful. Well, one of my favourite river cruises actually was Russia. It was from Moscow up to St. Petersburg. Stunning. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. So you're you can actually go on the river right up from Moscow to St. Petersburg and you pass towns along the way. And um, I did Moscow to St. Petersburg. It's just oh my god, magical. It's about 10 days. It's just stunning. Um, but river cruises in general, I mean, I did even one in the Duro River in Portugal and beautiful. I mean, to go down now, there was a lot of port, not going to lie. <laughs> so that <laughs> did help. <laughs> Yeah. And the weather was stunning, but the views and the scenery along rivers is just beautiful, really, really gorgeous. When you're on the ocean cruises, you can either dip, dabble in or dabble out. I mean, you can just stay within your own or you can actually meet people. So it's really up to you what you personally like. Um, I love to chat and meet people. Um, so I like that side of it. Um, and especially on the river cruises, because they're so small, you will actually meet people, more people, because only about 100, 150 people on them. So you're definitely going to meet you know, lots of different characters around the world, you know, and predominantly on these ships, um, you're mostly going to meet English speaking people as well. So whether they're from Europe or whether they're from English speaking regions, everyone would have high quality English. So you're going to have, you're not going to have that language barrier as much as you might do if you were traveling, you know, independently. And how is the cruise industry going now? Is it, are they getting, are they, they're slowly going back, I presume, but they were hit very yeah. hard, weren't they? They were, absolutely. They were, decimated is the word I would use I mean to see these big ships um just docked out at sea and the cost alone and 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 keeping them out at sea and and the staffing you know I mean you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people across the world without jobs because of it like every industry I suppose but yeah they're going to get back slowly you can see every week you see a new cruise ship going back out to sea and going back on its route so it's really nice to see that but it's going to take time it's going to take what Huge pent up demand for it, though, by the way, because a lot of people, especially in the UK, are, um, you know, there's a lot of cruise ships going around the UK at the moment. They're basically full, as far as I can see, capacity is what they can do. But I think 2022, 2023, you're going to see real cruises back in action and they haven't stopped building. You know, they're, they're anticipating a good five years, I'd say, ahead of them. So now your next one is something I love and I can't wait to get back to some stage, ski holidays. Listen, I can't wait to get my ski boots on and it's actually the trending product at the moment. So ski is big, 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 big news for 2021, 2022 and expect that to even get bigger 2022, 2023. I'd say they probably even start selling 2022, 2023 very soon because it's going to be so pent up demand. Big market out of Ireland, almost 80,000 people, you know, and 80,000 people who haven't been able to go for the last two to three years is you know um a big amount of people that will go to these small resorts and i know some of the resorts are already full some of them are saying we're, we're absolutely at capacity we can't take anybody else and so it's not a question of lift because we've got the airlift back in the skies thank god but it's a it's a question of whether the resorts have availability because it's not just irish people that are excited to get back skiing it's the rest of europe as well i got an email this morning actually from someone and saying you know it's not too late to book the ski holiday and I thought they were taking the mick but obviously they meant it 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the big hot topic. It's like if, if you were to talk to any travel agent, and I've been in many, many travel agents across the country, uh, talking to them, whether it's in their shops or talking to them at conferences or whatever in the last few years, ski, 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 ski. That's all everyone. And it's it's funny because pre-pandemic it was all cruise, 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 cruise. And now it's see, and then I'd say when the ski season ends, cruise will kick back in then, and that's what will become very, very popular for people. But I mean <laughs> isn't it beautiful it's like it's a great way it's a great holiday so exhilarating and so fun and you just feel out and I think we've been locked up so much to get up on the slopes and actually just you know feel the wind on your face and the frostbite in your toes <laughs> and to get down to the Apres Sea it's going to be magic like I just can't wait to get skiing I really can't that whole come down off the slopes have the drinks go for your meal sometimes you're still in your your ski gear go for your okay. meal and then you're into bed early and then up the next day oh I listen I'm, I certain resorts that are favorites with yours yeah well I've skied mostly Europe um I'm not sure about yourself but mostly Europe um, only Europe actually you're only Europe and um, yeah. so I've done Canada as well I've done Scandinavia I suppose Europe um uh, but and I've done some of the Eastern European countries which are coming up uh, the lines I suppose I shouldn't say this but France would not be a favourite of mine probably because I'm a big fan of skiing ski out and a lot of French resorts don't have that and um, now a load of them do I know I'm probably going to the French tourist was probably going to be on <laughs> on the phone to me in about five minutes give it out hell um, well, I tend I, I tend to have a go for Austria, I have to say. Um, and, you know, I love the upper ski in Austria. Um, the only thing about Austria is obviously it's low altitude, it's not high altitude, so you don't get your March skiing as much as you would in other areas. But, um, God, I just... Right now, all I want is like 100 kilometres of slopes and yeah. ski boots and the gear, and I'm off. I don't care where it is. Just that exactly. whole idea of it, just the freedom of it, I think, is what's really appealing to people this year. I know it's just great even even just thinking about it half the crack I don't know if you're the same but for me I just love you know the booking of holidays and where I'm going to go and the planning and all that it's just I can't wait to be getting back to that again. I shouldn't say this but when I've been talking to people in the last few weeks every time they mention a destination I'm like my brain starts going hmm now where can I start planning that one <laughs> where can I put that one in next year where can that know, go exactly and um, even even at the moment in my head I'm like that can Christmas maybe we'll go skiing at Christmas so your your next one is Ashford Castle which is a very special place yeah and I have a growth for that because when I worked my previous life I worked for a company called the Travel Corporation and, and they own Red Carnation who purchased Ashford Castle when I was working for them um, and so I just have a really special place in my heart for it and I mean it is just like heaven on earth really to be honest it doesn't matter what season it is it's just magical and the people and the locations just Ashford what what is it why do you think it's because I, I agree I just I remember from my wife's 25th birthday I surprised her at Ashford many years ago and um, I remember we were staying there and we felt like you know we felt like we're the only Irish people there and we felt sort of like the the peasants nearly you know and I remember in the restaurant and uh, got the cheapest bottle of wine on the on the list and the sommelier was walking by and he he stopped and he said can I just can I taste your wine and he took a little sip of the wine and said oh that's off and then he got his like I kept you know really amazing bottle of wine on the house and I don't know if he just did it because he felt sorry for us or what but really added to the occasion 
<laughs> I'm sure it did. You know? Well, it, it goes back to what I was saying with staff, isn't it? It's yeah. the people, it's the people that make Ashford for me. It's like the warm welcome you get and just everything about it. It's just, you know, the people have been there for years, 15, 20, 30 years, even more. And and then they have a wonderful um, leader in uh, Nile Rochford, who's the managing or the general manager down there. And I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful spot. I mean, the location, the, the rooms and with the Tolman investment now going back a number of years, it's just incredible. But I do get the pauper thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I stay down there, I stay in the lodge part because um, yeah. it suits, you know, family better, the kids and stuff like that. But um, I do get when I go in there, I feel I have imposter, uh, imposter syndrome. Exactly. A little bit like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember we, we were having a picnic in front of the lake and like a salmon jumped out of the water. It was just ridiculous. It was yeah. just so, yeah. just so amazing. Like Disney movie. Stuff, yeah. Isn't it? Like, it's really, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And you're right about the staff because they were just... It's part of the part of the region, really, isn't it? I mean, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so your your last place is Croatia, which is another spot yeah. I haven't been to. It's terrible. It's on my list as well. So well, it, and, and everyone just loves it. Is it amazing there? Yeah. Yeah. If I was you now, I'd put that right up to the top yeah. of the list there. If I was you. Um, I mean, just Croatia in general, just to me, is just stunning. And it has been since the first time I actually Went there, which I think was 2002, 2003, was post-war, so a little bit later than that, actually. Um, but absolutely just beautiful, absolutely stunning. I was very fortunate to, at the time I was in a previous life as well, I was putting together a holiday programs. So across the border into Montenegro, which is gorgeous as well, if you've ever been down to Montenegro, stunning. And all that entire region and then up into Albania, it's just absolutely beautiful. It really is. So the Dalmatian coast is just absolutely it's breathtaking. I mean, it's stuff of movies, like we were saying about Disney movies, but this is the stuff of like, when you think about sun resorts, this is what you would actually expect it to be like. It's just fantastic. The food, the people, people are very like Irish and they've got that kind of Irish mentality of just having fun and really relaxed and just everything about it. The hotels are wonderful. The beaches are clean, super clean. The food is incredible. It's just, yeah, it's my spiritual home. I think as soon as I land there, I go, Fabulous. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. And I love every part of it. And particularly Dubrovnik. Particularly Dubrovnik, yeah. But I think that's probably because I used to, you know, obviously work down there a little bit more. But every part of it, Zagreb, the city's beautiful. Um, all the way up to um what's called a parish, um, and there's Istria, the Istrian region, then you've got split all along there, beautiful and inland as well. I mean, just absolutely stunning, stunning place. And I would highly recommend anyone to get on those Aer Lingus planes and get down there as soon as they can. Well, not in the winter because obviously you can't push it in the yeah. summertime. Beautiful place to go in May and June because yeah. the weather's just perfect and it's not too busy. Um, also a great place to go now because the cruise ships aren't obviously packing the place out on a daily basis. So this summer is over now, I suppose. But next summer, early next summer, you're not going to see the cruise ships go until a little bit later. So it's a good time to go because those cruise ships, you know, dock and take over the cities as you know these small little cities but it really is like Dubrovnik to me is like and you know some of Game of Thrones is filmed there it's really yeah. like the set of a movie it's just absolutely stunning beautiful. have you been to the islands have you been to any islands um I did a thing a couple of years ago where I sailed around the islands um and each island is individually different so like if you went so like what the itinerary I put together I let a Croatian man to put it to the guy who owned the boat to put it together for me so at the time I was probably in my 
maybe my early 30s and he, he was like right one night we'll do a party island then the next night we'll do a quiet island then the next night we'll just dock out in the ocean or in the sea sorry I should say it's not the ocean um, and it was just beautiful because some of them like have our stunning nightlife you know what I mean it's like a beat in Croatia um, and then the next night we go to somewhere like um, Korsula which has, doesn't even have cars on the island you know so it's just like you walk around these fishing villages and you know you dock up but the island each island is individually just fabulous I mean there's so many of them so many of them I couldn't even talk about I think they've almost 2,000 islands actually but I've probably hit about 20 or 30 of them I'd say um as I said no cars literally just walk around the island by foot um and you know then other ones are just like small little islands where you have the cars but there's no nightlife and it's just fishing villages the boat trip would that be good as a family holiday yeah. do you think it depends on the age of the kids like I'd love yeah. to do it now but my kids are too young but yeah. if your kids were say eight up mm. I, it's just stunning um a couple of different companies would do it. one of them I think is Sunsail and there's a couple of different local ones around um Croatia that would do it, but magic I mean even they get like stuff if you have the kids on board you get stuff like they could have the the donuts in the back of the you know like you've got all the fun things that you could do and like you could you can go as basic or as high end as you yeah. want I mean you could do like what we did we had a chef and a skipper on board so we didn't have to drive so we could have the drink um we'd have the beautiful wine in the middle of the ocean you know where we could get off and party and then we had we pay for a chef between us and at the time there was 12 friends that went on it so it was like relatively inexpensive when you think about what you're getting you about two thousand, including all your food you know and your transport to each island and, and your accommodation at night and accommodation down in Croatia wouldn't be all that cheap you know so um when you work it out like that it's 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 good value I suppose more so than cheap it's good value um but magic yeah I've done, I can't wait for my kids to be old enough to do it because it's just stunning holiday stunning stunning holiday I'm actually following a guy at the moment. He's cycling from Akil to Athens. And last week he was going through Croatia. I was all along the coast. He went into Montenegro and it looked amazing. The photos. Yeah, yeah. Montenegro is just, oh, it's beautiful. I mean, the areas down Montenegro, Tva, Budva. Um, I mean, you're in these little restaurants and so cheap down in Montenegro. Croatia would be that little bit more expensive because it's obviously more cosmopolitan, I suppose the word. Um, but Montenegro, I mean, you're sitting at some tables and your feet could be dipping in the sea, you know, and these beautiful big meals coming out that are like fish this size and just the garlic and the salads and just gorgeous crisp wine. And it's just magic, magic, absolutely magic. Would it be hard to get to Montenegro? Would you fly to um, Croatia? Could you go overland um, or? Yeah. So if I was going to Montenegro, I'd fly Grovnik and then I'd transfer over. They have a thing, the border, obviously, and they call it no man's land in between. It takes about 45 minutes so it's not far at all and no you'd be over the border you'd be from Croatia into Montenegro in about 45 minutes into Tivat would it be Tivat yeah it'd be Tivat and then you just I mean most people would holiday in either um Budva Tivat is kind of more city-ish well not really Budva is where you would go on holidays um and it's absolutely gorgeous down that part of the world I mean it really is stunning just I, think, I think I'm sold. I think um, for next summer, it will be the one. <laughs> if you had two weeks, you could even get the, if you did one of those boat trips, they'd even take in Montenegro for you because they would be able to do that if you had two weeks. It's just yeah, phenomenal. You've really <laughs> yeah. got my, um, it's like armchair traveling, but like I want to go on the internet now and start looking that up once I get off. <laughs> that's the joy of all this. That's the joy of this industry, the travel know, industry. Exactly. You get to experience all these beautiful places and all these exactly. lovely. So my last question, if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths 
and think of your happy place, where would that be and why? I have to close my eyes and see what pops yeah. into my head. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to be corny and say there's no place like home. So <laughs> as much as I love to travel, uh, it's, there's no place like home and getting home. And for me, it's when you arrive back into Dublin airport and you get off that plane and you just get that sense of belonging and home. So to me, that's, that's my corny answer to that question, Fergal. I'm sorry I let you down. No, no, you're right. And I was talking, my podcast today, actually, I was talking about that because I had um, Russ Parsons on, who's American, who moved to Ireland from Los Angeles, and he loves the rain. And I was going, you know, when I'm flying back into Ireland, I do love the green and you can't have the green without the rain, you know? Yeah, well, that's true. That is very, very true. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.